Chicago. <laughs> I didn't even know that was from Kim and Deep Chicago. dish. Yeah. Deep dish. Shishi. Chicago. Alright. Right. We here. We out here. We here. It's uh, Benny's Crib. Episode 3. Yes, sir. Podcast version 1. We have Ben's been dead and Garrett. Hello, hello. Garrett will also be in the background. Hello. Chirping. He'll, he'll add some shit. And we're here. Oh, are we not allowed to swear? We can swear. <laughs> we have no sponsors <laughs> yet. This is not on daytime radio. If it is, who gives a fuck? <laughs> hey, what up? Welcome to Benny's crib. Kick your shoes off, stay a while. 207, main hip hop. Ron B. Welcome to Benny's crib. Let's just get right into it if you're ready, sir. I'm ready. I'm ready as I'll ever be. What is your first memory of hip-hop? Of hip-hop? Um, damn. Starting off with a tough one. No, that's not that tough. Uh, this is kind of weird, but my dad used to listen to a lot of... He didn't listen to a lot of hip-hop, but he would always play Hey Ya by Outkast. Um, and that was probably the first, first rap song I heard. Um, he would always mix that in with like a lot of the like sad dad music, I call yeah. it. Um, and then he would throw on Hey Out and we would have dance parties in my living room. Oh yeah. And so I think that was the first like hip hop I heard. Well that album's so huge because it did win a Grammy that yeah, year. Yeah. So I think that sold like 10 million copies. Really? So it transcended into like the... I just want to point out that like my knowledge Rainstorm. of hip hop is going to be destroyed by yours. <laughs> Well, that's kind of why I have open-ended questions too, because like I was kind of—I know you're more into um, R&B, pop, and even like electronic too, with yeah. like how diverse your style is. So I always ask everyone the same question first, like, "What's your first memory of hip hop?" But um, with you, I was gonna more hit a different lane and kind of just say, maybe what role, maybe hip hop or even just music in general, what role did that have in your upbringing? Um, I like very young was into like a lot of like R&B even though I don't like really do a lot of I mean I do R&B but like not R&B R&B yeah it's more modernized yeah um but probably like you know a lot of <laughs> this sounds terrible to say but like early Neo early Chris Brown um <laughs> which I I hate the fact that Chris Brown had any influence on me, but, um, yeah, like, it, it was a lot of, like, that, that Timbaland sound, mm. um, you know, I think it was, like, a lot of Scott Storch at the time, mm. um, it was kind of, like, cliche R&B beats. Yeah, it was, um, it was a lot of stuff that's kind of, like, pop in the mainstream level. Yeah, like, I, I never was, like, a deep... Diver. You remember what grade this was? It was like sounds like maybe like fifth, sixth grade kind of. Bit. I'm trying to think. Of, yeah, it was like. Cause you're 25. I'm 22. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're fucking tall. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a huge. Yeah, I difference. forgot that your your age totally. <laughs> I'm 25. <laughs> uh, like <laughs> coincides with your height. <laughs> you must be 25 because you're tall. <laughs> taller than me. And I'm 25, so you have to be yeah. taller than me. That's just how Everybody life works. Older. <laughs> um, okay. Shit. Okay, you're 22. So. I remember that. I remember that was sixth grade for me. So that was like third grade for you listening yeah. to that shit then. Yeah, it That's was a like a. Uh, with you, with you, with you, with you, with oh, you. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. You know, uh, so sick by Neil. Yeah, so sick, so sick. Of used to, I used to listen to that on like the bus ride home from school. <laughs> um, yeah, that was like my early stuff. Hell yeah! So I was very into that sad. Like, didn't you know didn't have a breakup to be sad about but i would just like make one up and be like why doesn't this girl love me <laughs> well uh, were these the artists that then influenced you to make music of your own or how did you actually get into crafting your own music i got into music and like looking back it pisses me off that i didn't get into it earlier but it was like right at the end of high school and i had a friend um who was just fucking around with garage band beats but he was so good like he he played piano his name was reese eddie um reese shout out if you're if you're listening to this we did a lot of work after that but um he was so good at piano and he just would make these crazy beats and so a friend of mine 
race and I would we would like all meet up after school and I didn't really know them that well but we were like the three that were like int interested in like making music and uh, I mean outside of like chorus and band um, and we would like meet up at my house after school and he would like you know make make a a beat on GarageBand and we would just like that that verse that I was just doing was like the first thing that I was like I want to rap mm. so I came in it into it wanting to rap. What year was this? What grade? I was a senior in high school so I want to say 2014. Cool. Um, yeah so I came in wanting to rap. Actually if I were to go way back to the origin and this is where I get off on crazy tangents but when I was in first grade when we had to pick what we wanted to be I wrote that I wanted to be a singer. Mm. Um, and I used to when I was a kid I used to tell my parents that I was going to be a professional singer and they would be like yeah right you don't know how to sing and I'd be like oh yeah watch me and I would go and I would get the yellow pages and I would flip through to find like talent agents mm. and I'd be like mom I'm gonna do it I'm gonna call this talent agent and like sing for them mm. and my parents would be like well can you sing for us and I, I would be like no like I'm only gonna do it for the talent agent, and they'd be like, "You're full of shit." Mm. Um, so it's been a long time coming. It sounds like you knew this shit was. But it, like, it, it was. <laughs> it, it left after that. Like yeah. this was young, and then I really picked it up when I was a senior in high school. And I, I wasn't like originally. I wasn't rapping with these two guys. Like this guy Race was the rapper, and Reese made the beats, and I would just kind of like, you know, soak it all in. Um, and then. Yeah, I wrote my first verse. I was like, I really want to do it, but I'm so nervous. I want, like, I want to rap. This is like senior year still? Yeah. So all I wanted to do was help them out. Like, I built them a recording booth, not like a, you know, like yeah, a yeah. shitty recording Make booth. Sure. And I was like, I just want to help you guys out. And then eventually I wrote a verse, and I was like, hey, guys, like, I have this verse. And, I, I, like, I remember when I delivered it, like, it was that, like, nervous, shaking voice. Yep. And they were like, whoa. Um, so then, yeah, we started, like not like a, a rap group but it would just be like you know we would record he would make a beat and we would both spit a verse and we were going to put together a project um but at that point it was all rap and then mm. when did it switch to r&b then probably or more vo singing vocals than the rapping. singing happened when i kind of this, this is going to sound like a dick, but it was more of like a... Well, it's hard because in, in part it's like a business decision hmm. where, you know, there's a lot less lanes for white rappers. Um, not like because they're white, but it's just like... It, it You know, it's harder to make music that is going to pop off. Um, so part of it was like a business thing where I was like, you know, if I want to take this seriously, I really need to hone in on something that's not really being done. And I, I had this like side of me that was very like, I really love like Bon Iver, you know, like kind of like folkier music. So I was like, I want to explore that. And I used to do it super avant-garde to the point where I would like sing out of key and I, you know, my sister, who's like an amazing singer, would be like, you're way out of key. And I'd be like, fuck you, it's by choice. But like, it was not by choice. Did your sister <laughs> have a big influence then on you growing up? In yeah. In terms of wanting to Because sing? she was like the singer. Mm -hmm. um, like, I, I don't know if you've, well, you've heard someone like the Emerald stuff. Yeah. Um, she was like always singing, always taking singing lessons. And I think like subconsciously I was kind of jealous of it, mm -hmm. but I'd never really... Like, older you know, sister too right? yeah, yeah I mean she's a year old okay so. um, shout out Libby if you listen to this um, oh fuck dude I'm stupid Libby Thompson is related to Beth Thompson yeah <laughs> Emer nice. Emerald is brother's sister yeah whoa that's <laughs> making, really cool making connections what the fuck man how did I not realize that my older sister um, so yeah subconsciously I think I was just kind of like jealous of it but um Damn, that's interesting. Well, when then did all these come to fruition in the form of you hitting the studio in a pretty heavy routine? 
Um, or at least just recording in your own maybe makeshift studio. When I went away to college, when I went... Where'd you go? My freshman year, I went to the University of Aberdeen in Scotland. Whoa. Yeah, that was a huge change. That's a big-ass change. How, what was that culture shock like? Um, it was hard because I, I kind of fucked myself over in an idea that, like, I had in my head, like... I have a crazy ego. And it was going, I've tamed it down a lot, but like at that point in time, I was like, I'm just going to college to record music. You know, like, I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck about these people, all this stuff. Like, I'm just going to make music. Um, and so I kind of like had this, like, I'm better than you view about hmm. shit. So that fucked myself over. But yeah. When we're it, young, we got to kind of figure out yeah. how not to think. How not to think that ye, the world revolves around? Yeah, no one's dope enough to be a dick, you know. Yeah, and so it was. It was a culture shock in like the social scene and everything. How was the food? I heard the food's pretty different there too. Yeah, I mean, you know, anywhere you go, you can find like a fucking Chipotle. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, capitalism's not far off. Yeah, but like you know, it, it definitely was different, and just like the way that people socialize is different. Um, it's funny, like college in the U.S. is like a lot of people's first time, you know, being able to freely drink, yeah. smoke weed, um, but because the drinking age is 18, you know, a lot of people have been doing it for a couple of years and they're like, it's not like, you know, I need to get drunk to black out, you mm. know, it's a lot more like I'll have a beer with lunch, it's a lot more calm. Yeah, controlled. Um, so it was like definitely a culture shock, but I kind of like hibernated a lot. Mm. Um, so you making music at that time in Scotland? Yeah. So at that time I was like I I didn't want to be in the dorms. We got an I got an apartment with my sister because we both went to the same school. Oh. And um, yeah, I sp I missed a lot of classes. I would just you know sit in my room and I I was working on my first ever album, Kaleidoscope Dreaming. Um, That's which wild. Is no is longer. It, is it Miguel's album called Kaleidoscope <laughs> yeah, Dream? Kaleidoscope Dream, yeah. Wow. And I actually like totally didn't put those two together oh, until yeah. somebody said it to me, and I was like, ah, oh, fuck. Yeah, Miguel copied you. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I was like, I spent the whole year working on that, and it was very just like avant-garde depression rap. Mm. Um, some of the songs like weren't even. I didn't even like rap in them. I just like made a beat, mm. and. Um, yeah, so I did a lot of that, and... Yeah, because you said then, your college was when you really started to, yeah, like, record I heavy. Yeah, and that was, like, at a point where I, I wasn't going... Like, I didn't go to class, I just made music. Um, and that was the moment I was like, I want to do this for real. I want this to be my career. Hmm. Um, so I kind of, like, was, like... I just, I fully committed and I would spend, you know, all hours of the day, like, chopping samples, learning how to chop. Um, did you end up dropping out? I did after the freshman year, yeah. There was a moment when I was like, I'm going to try and keep doing this, but it, it, it was just because everybody else was doing it. Mm. And, you know, I'd be in class, the times that I would go to class, I'd be like, you know, be like, oh, what if I put this little you know, part in that song, and I'm just like daydreaming. I'm not yeah. there at all. And I'm like drumming patterns on the desk. It's like, and then when I started to realize that, I'm like, why am I doing this? Like, I'm not even here. I'm not here mentally. I'm, I'm like just making music in my head. So mm. why don't I just not do this? Um, and so my parents, being very like supportive, were like, look, we'll give you time to figure this out. You know, not. College, right off the bat, is not for everybody. So, you know, you can come back and make your music and figure it out. And, you know, that kind of gave me time to, like, figure out what I wanted to do, you know? Mm. When did you start uh, making beats and producing? Right around when I went to college. So um, senior year, you kind of started to, like, feel out the I rap got garage band, yeah. Um, I, w I made some beats, but they were like real, you know, just like, you know, just yeah. like very plain. So it went almost like in the path of your evolution as an artist. It starts out singing aspirations, 
Perhaps but like having no ability. Yeah, to sing. but still, just like, <laughs> like in the first level. Wanting to be a singer. Yeah, exactly. And then you realize it's you know as a senior. So what did you like in your youth from like you know when you're pretty young, kind of just having these like funny childish ideas to a senior? Like what did you you know enjoy with your time? Then like would you fill those years with basketball? Basketball. Yeah. Cool. Um, and we've played basketball together. I and Garrett, us three have all yeah, played basketball. Yeah, we've all played basketball together. I wanted to be in the NBA. Mm. I can officially say that like I. I didn't. I rode the end of the bench mm -hmm. for my entire life, but I would come home, and I would go in my basement, and I would spend hours doing dribbling drills, uh, like everything. I would go out in the rain, and I would shoot, you know, a hundred threes every night. I, I was obsessed, and like I was like I'm a very, uh, like, type of person who gets one thing in their mind, and they just like. Fucking tunnel vision. Yeah, tunnel vision. So I was like, I want to be the best basketball player. Mm. So I got so tunnel vision with that that I literally didn't do anything else. You know, I quit all my other sports. I was like, I'm just going to be a basketball player. I, you know, picked up like trainers in other seasons. Damn. Um, but I, I never, I never, you know, was able to show it when it counted because I was so, I had such bad, like, uh, not stage fright, but like... Performance anxiety? Yeah, when it came down to playing basketball, in games, I would lose everything. Yeah. And I would like forget, I, I would be like, what's, what's a dribble? Like, you know... You like, almost like, you just psych yourself out of nowhere. I'll, I'll give you an example. My senior game, I got to start, and I was so pumped. And first two possessions, I nailed two threes in a row. And people were like, oh, shit. And then, I kid you not, I carried the ball, got called for a carry nine times after that. Wow. Nine times. So I had nine, like, turnovers. Damn. Nine and then troubles. I was taken out and never, never got put back in. Um, well, I mean, you know, sometimes life just chooses your destiny for you. Yeah. Because segueing back into after college... How do you really solidify then, like getting back into the states and getting into a routine of being a full-fledged musician as your career path? Um, I, I struggle with it a lot. I was like, I I still had that that anxiety of like, you know, I need to go to college because everybody else is going to college. I need to somehow, like, I was working like a restaurant job, and I was like, I still need to do the college thing, even if it's like part time, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, somehow I need to tie this into music. So Mecca, their first year that they unveiled a music program was right when I came back. And they had two classes my first semester. So I was like, oh, I'll go part-time. I'll take those two classes. Um, and they had just built the, I don't know if you've been to the Mecca recording studio, mm -hmm. but it's I heard gorgeous. It's cool. Oh, my God. Um, so I really just, like, I went part-time and I just did music at Mecca um, and then I would come home and I would just work on it and at that time I started working on my second album Broken Record um, these are both just not albums worth listening to <laughs> um, but so I started working on that and I still had like a big head and I was like I'm meant to do this you know um, so I wanted I wanted to keep doing college because everybody else was. So I did that, and then I balanced it with. Did you like, finish through Mecca? I did not. I uh, I never enrolled like as a student. I enrolled as just like you know pay for a class type yep, thing. So I for sure. they only allowed you to do five before you had to enroll. So I did two for a semester, then I did two for the next semester, and then I did one, and then I had hit my five, and. I just didn't want to enroll full time because they didn't. Yeah. They hadn't developed a music program. And you must have picked up some things. Yeah, I, I picked. You know, I met a lot of people. I met the guy who you know played drums for me. Um, a lot of time, Ness. I don't know if you've met Ness. I don't think so. Um, we became really good friends from that. I met a lot of like talented musicians. That's cool. Um, yeah. It's about what, like 2016 or so now? Yeah, probably. So when did you think you really started to refine your sound and kind of get to where you're at now, like in terms of just being a more balanced artist in terms of like hip-hop, little R&B, pop, electronic, you know? When I started doing, when I started working on Rude, 
um, my album Rude that I put out in 2014. I that was I actually yeah. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Seventeen. No, Twenty seventeen. Yeah. What, what year is it? Is it twenty? Twenty nineteen. <laughs> is that the purple cover? Rude. Yes. Yes. Okay. yes. So, I actually made an entire album. I spent a year. I was like, I'm gonna make my fucking. Uh, what is that term for like? Your like masterpiece. Magnum opus. Magnum opus. I was like, I'm gonna make my magnum opus. I'm gonna spend a year. It was called You and I Are Blue. Um, I made 17 songs, and I literally, like, they were all, it was very, like, uh, I got really inspired after Frank Ocean's album came out. Which one? Blonde? Uh, Blonde, and the new Bon Iver album came out, 22 A Million. And um, combining those sounds, I was, like, at the time I was working on just, like, some rap music, mm. and I, I say that, like, it's, like, some rap music, but, mm. <laughs> like... I, w I was just like, you know, doing the same thing I was doing, and then I got so inspired by that sound, and I was like, I have to make this. Mm. Um, so I started, like, you know, experimenting with, like, playing guitar, um, playing, like, you know, live piano, just making songs with, like, instruments and stuff, and, like, warping them, and doing all this crazy, like, mixing stuff. Mm. Um, and so I made that whole album, and then I, it, it was super avant-garde, um, and it just didn't, like, I, I didn't feel like I was ready to put it out, because it was so different from everything I had ever done. Yeah. So, then... Did you move any of the songs to the new, to Rude? No, I don't think any of them made it. But I did make this one song called Addicted that was like a Kelly Price sample beat that I made. That's cool. Um, yeah, and it like it was it was a really cool melody and everything, and it was like the first time that I had like really made a good, at least that I felt was a good like R and B song. Mm. Um, you know, I was singing in key. I had finally learned how to use auto tune. Um, so I made that, and I was like, this is the sound. This is the sound that I can pull off. I wasn't really pulling off the avant-garde stuff, um, but, like, I knew that I could, and I loved making that kind of, like, pop R&B stuff. So then I made the song Rude. Um, that was the first song that I made off of that album. And, yeah, from there it kind of was just like, you know, this this is the sound that I like. I started listening to a lot more artists like that, and I was like, this this feels like a lane for me. Mm. Uh, so yeah. Heck yeah, so then kind of just doing some more stuff with Emerald and getting more out on the scene and kind of... Yeah, Emerald didn't really start until last year, yeah, actually. I'm thinking 2017's Rue, 2018's almost Emerald, and then 2019 is... And just kind of becoming more of a prominent face as like a singer too on the scene yeah because then i'm talking now to 2019 where it's like you know it's been a pretty good year for you um whether it's you know you collabing with people um like shane and spizzy or for instance even the camera like the we smoke it all four track i mean and even people like brendan bennett you and him linking up yes. and then um obviously Shout out brendan, i love you baby <laughs> so, and then you're um obviously your biggest song so far exoskeleton which um, has been getting radio play locally too. Which is so cool. Yeah. Shout out Hot 147. Yeah, I'm doing so many shout outs. So, how, how are you just feeling right now in 2019? Like, you know, you've kind of had your growth as an artist and you've refined kind of who you want to identify yourself as as a musician. And it sounds like it's starting to finally click this year fully. Yeah, I feel like um, I'm kind of like ready to to take it to like the next level. Mm -hmm. um, like, I have the music and the stash that I'm, like, so proud of, and it feels like, you know, kind of, like, taking it from from stuff that I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool, to, like, damn, this is something that's going to resonate with people on, like, a big level. Mm. Um, so, a lot of the stuff I'm working on right now, it's, like, I feel so good about it. It's all about more become about, like, rollouts and how to how to do it properly mm. you know um 
which is something that can really make or break a good song. You can make the greatest song in the world, and if you roll it out and don't, you know, nobody hears it, then it's not going to go anywhere. It's like the idea of like people not making albums as much lately because you know if you don't have like a huge following you could put all your time into a single or you could put all your time into 10 songs mm. and maybe one of those songs gets a listen yeah it's like especially with streaming too it's very weird yeah it's like people don't people just don't have the attention spans anymore for full albums so it's like if you want to become you know a new if you're a new artist you really have to be like doing it really tactic tactically mm. um, and just kind of like really think about how you roll it out how you know you connect with an audience outside of your immediate people that know you because um, that's that's the thing that I used to get stuck in I think a lot of people get stuck in is like you put out a song and all your friends are like yo this is dope and you know you feel really good and you're like well that's that's it that's good yep. you know and it's like but it doesn't spread yeah it it's like yes man kind of shit yeah it's, it's like all your friends camp. are like that's dope that you make music and it's like you know people are like why do i have 10 spotify listeners it's like because you got 10 friends and they're listening to your yeah. music uh, it's tough too because like, it's like you want to like i think the people close to you might be like the most honest sometimes too in a way too depending on how long you've known them yeah like if they're yes man they're just gonna jack you up obviously but if you don't forever like yo i didn't like that like yeah. those people are so valuable too i feel like because like uh they can give you that honesty that a lot of people might not give you down the line too yeah and um which is tough because it's like you want to be like yeah <laughs> i wish i had more of a wider audience than just like my core crew and at the same time sometimes those people like can even help you craft your own sound just through like their own criticism but if here. they are yes men which a lot of friends end up being yeah, if they don't point, feel yeah. like they're close to you they can almost make you they can like stunt your growth because you can get stuck in that cycle of like I made this and people are like that's dope and then you're like alright I'll just keep making that because people mm. said it was dope um, it can be hard to like reinvent yourself sometimes. Yeah, if you just are like, well, I don't want to disappoint my homies who are mm. like, you know, I, I still have friends who are like, we want to hear you rap more, and I'm like, yeah, but like the rap's not, you know, it's not, it's not spreading to a wider audience. Mm -hmm. Like you fuck with it, my friends fuck with it, but it's like, it doesn't hit the bigger audiences. Yeah, definitely, that makes sense to me, man. It's just kind of you got to do what you're, just you feel like it's gonna be the best for you and your overall sound. Yeah, and a lot of that, like a lot of you know stuff like that is like you can do that stuff once you get the audience once you get the following mm. and once you develop that you know you can start to experiment with different sounds um, but it's hard to do that when you're trying to you know with people like listening to one song and you wanna you wanna make an impact with that one song if every song you have sounds different people that are like yo check out this artist and then somebody's like what's he like mm. what are they like I'm like oh well it's really hard to describe you know you mm. have to give them a baseline and then you can branch off after you know a certain amount of time yeah that makes sense to me it's just kind of about just like every step kind of leading into a bigger picture but yeah always being ready to evolve too I feel like yeah you know? like you always have to be able able to evolve and change and if if you don't take criticism well it's going to be impossible to be an artist because you know you're never going to grow that's that's truth that's one of the hardest things is just realizing you got to evolve yeah and um i think just speaking of evolution right now too we see how much the main music scene in general is evolving and how does it feel in your own mind just to kind of be one of like the most promising up-and-comers on this scene because it's such a intimate, connected scene, but at the same time, it's starting to get way more spread in terms of audiences. Like, B just hit 300,000 streams. Yeah, Shanghai just hit nuts. a million streams. Shout out to so it's just like, we're seeing some small things um, initially turning into bigger things now. So how does it feel Miles, to be a part of this scene, you know? I, like, I, you know, I didn't really know that I was, like, a big part of this scene. I, um, I still feel like, you know, like, B is is huge to me. Be all is like such a big artist and Shanghai is like nuts. Um you know, even like the fact that like Spose talks to me is like yeah. so crazy. Yeah. 
Because um, you're a little bit younger than the rest of those dudes, and you're like, yeah. just by a couple of years, but you're still coming up yeah. in your own way, so to speak. Um, Especially with your new branding of your new name. So. Yeah, like that's that's going to take a little while. But it's cool that, like, you know, the first song, like, got the radio, and, you know, it has kind of, like, spread to become a thing, and now I get to go on tour with Spose. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, it was funny. Like, <laughs> like Garrett, they were organizing the, the new... Am I allowed to talk about the, the video? Yeah, I mean, it's probably not going to come out yeah. for a while. Yeah. Um, they're they're shooting a video for a song and they were like we're trying to get some local influencers and I literally was like me <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> like what <laughs> um, so just like that's just so crazy to me that people you know if anybody is like whoa that's Ben mm. like that's that's so wild to me mm. um, it it feels really cool and I feel very like honored that people would would like you know resonate with my music that way yeah definitely it's it's just uh it's funny how Seems like one day it's like a switch gets turned on, and then people kind of know your name. Yeah. And like, what the hell? Like, how does that even yeah, make sense? You know, Portland is a scene where like people, people definitely keep tabs on people that you know they see are growing. Mm. Um, and I kind of do it subconsciously. Like, I'll keep tabs on people that, you know, not like as a competitive thing, but just as like a, you know, they're another person doing their thing. Mm. Um, so it's like, I always wonder, like, the amount that I do that, like, I wonder if people keep tabs on me. Mm, that is interesting to think about. Um, yeah. Like, who's watching? Um, yeah. I want to talk about Block the Wind, too. Like, how did y'all really come together back in the day? Like, how, how long has been Block the Wind been together as a we, uh, collective? Block the Wind is literally my childhood neighborhood. Um, we had, like, the closest neighborhood of just, like, because we were all, we all lived in Yarmouth, and we all, like, were on this point on, like, the end of Yarmouth. Mm. Um, so we all had, like, the same issues of, like, no one wants to come hang out with us because we live so fucking far yeah. away. No one's parents wants to drive their kids out here. So we all hung out with each other. And, um, like, our parents were all super close, and we would play Manhunt together. And, like, you know, we would always, every weekend we would get together, like probably like 10 people um which is like you know all the members of block the wind we would get together and we would play games and it kind of like became this thing toward the end of high school like couple first couple of years of college where um devin bray and i who was like you know one of my best friends who started it with me we were kind of sitting down talking like it's crazy that we're all gonna like you know go from seeing each other all the time and like you know everybody eventually is going to go their own way yeah and so originally we were like let's let's find some way that because we're all going to be doing like crazy cool creative things we all knew that and we're like let's make a hub for it let's make something that you know originally it started out just for us yeah. it's like just to keep up with what all of us are doing Let's make a little website, and people can post all the stuff that they're doing. Um, so it started like that, and it was real small, real simple. I mean, it's still small, but like mm -hmm. it was real simple to the point where it was just like a private website that we would share our like poetry and art and music and stuff. Mm. Um, and then I was like, I want to do a festival. I want to make a music festival. Um, and the first year it was like it seemed really like improbable and just like like that's not gonna happen like it's a cool dream but like you know we we can't do that um but the first year i was like you know what? we'll we'll get some of our friends who play music like eight of us and we'll invite everybody in my backyard and i had this like raised stone thing that kind of resembled a stage of sorts and you know we'll just have people perform and like we'll invite all the neighbors and we'll we'll invite anybody probably had like 25 people um and we did it and then the next year we did it and more people came um next year we still did it in my backyard and we still had like we probably doubled the amount of people nice and then the third year 
we probably like quadrupled the amount of people when we moved it to one Longfellow. Nice. Um, and they like shout out to one Longfellow Square because they are by far the most supportive venue for local music in Portland. And it really makes me sad that hip hop does not try to do more shows there. Yeah. Because it like they are so supportive of everything that we do. And like I played a show recently where this is going off on a tangent, but I played a show recently where, you know, the guy who booked me was like, you know, so many venues like especially for local artists will give them this mentality of like you're so lucky to play here. Like you should feel so lucky to play at this venue. And it's like you know, he was telling me, like, it's the other way around. The venue is lucky to have you. You're the one creating yeah, art. right. Like, you're the one presenting art to people. And the fact that they get to host that and make money off it is, is their, you know, their privilege. So, one Longfellow has always been that way. Every, you know, a lot of venues I've tried to play at in Portland, they're like, you got to earn it. One Longfellow was like, we love art. Yeah. We love local art. Too. I don't get why, just, why wouldn't you want to have more local shit? So, you know, that's where I try to book all of my shows, and I try to bring artists to One Longfellow. You know, like, I try to, I bring Sarah there, Just Plain Jones, you know, for the festival, we brought, like, Be All, um, all these, like, local people, because they just don't see it as a venue that's kind of, like, on the radar for things to book. Mm -hmm. Um, but the sound is incredible. The sound guys are always amazing. The it's like the acoustics are beautiful. Just so many great things about it. I can't I can't say enough good things about it. But um, yeah, so they were the first ones that were like, "This is dope. Let's do this festival here." And yeah, so what they year were was that? Was that was that last year? That was two years ago. <laughs> I'm thinking um, of shout out Garrett because last year at the. <laughs> You just been laughing over there. Dude. Last year at the Longfellow. <laughs> the hell you guys laughing? Last year at the. <laughs> no, you didn't say it there. I looked over. I looked over. I saw Garrett zoning out, and then for some reason it reminded me last year at Block the Wind when I I went there and I had like a like this button up T-shirt on, and uh, <laughs> it was hot as fuck in the yeah. venue. I was sweating a lot. That's one problem is they, they don't know how That's to That's hot everywhere, though. Heat, yeah. <laughs> I had huge sweat stain on my fucking uh, armpit. <laughs> I had my arm raised <laughs> in this picture, and Garrett cropped it out. For some reason, I just <laughs> saw him zoning out, and I pictured like my sweat stain. I just started laughing, you know? Like when, you can't, when you're not supposed to laugh, and you laugh even harder. <laughs> oh, he's got the phone. I photoshopped his armpit. Yeah, he blurred it. Yeah, he, he blurred the sweat, yo. So shout out Garrett for that. <laughs> Excuse my unprofessionalism. I just kept looking over thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well, I was you like, know. What did I say? <laughs> <laughs> Are there any um, surprises then for this year's Block the Win Fest? Um, a lot of a lot of dope acts. We pretty much everybody who who you know personally I think is like, <laughs> somebody to watch. <laughs> I'm still laughing. About that. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just Garrett. Whenever I look at Garrett, he starts laughing. I laugh. All right, yo, dead dogs, tsunamis, global warming. We're back. We're back. I'm gonna have to actually go back to this. You said you got some tricks up your sleeve this year for Block the Win 2019. I tried to curate everybody who I think is dope in Portland, and if I've missed people, it's simply because of a time crunch. But um, yeah, it's hard to put together like an eight-hour festival and try to yeah try to make. Well, if you ever want to, I can see if I can get any names that you might not even know too that you, that you might like. Uh, obviously. Yeah, you, you are definitely the, the underground ear. Mm -hmm. um, well, I just appreciate how you, the local part is so important to me. It's just like, you have to have this love for the main scene. Yeah, you're from and Maine, I, think I think every act this year, we're, we're almost done with finalizing the acts. I think every single one is from Portland. Or mm -hmm. maybe not Portland, but, but from Maine. The, from Maine, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, people, people asked last year, like, we got up to, like, a, I don't remember the exact ticket, but it was around, like, 200 people. Which was like way bigger than we, you know, thought it would be the year before. And it's probably going to grow this year. It'll probably be bigger, hopefully. Um, and people are like, oh, like, you know, you're going to think about getting some like real big headliners, pay some money and stuff. I'm like, that's not the point of this. No. The point is to showcase main music. Mm -hmm. 
so yeah, uh, we we have a lot of. It's going to be a lot of the same, but also just like on an elevated level. Um, I'm I'm stoked for it. We're kind of then dipping from the local scene and now going into like a national scene. In your mind, which artists are like setting kind of like an example in terms of just how they they create and brand themselves and just drop? Like, who do you kind of look towards in the current national scene? Um. Damn. Um. You know, there's there's a certain level I've always looked up to people who can maintain like gigantic followings with, you know, not doing social media, not doing like Childish Gambino posts on social media once every you know three years, yeah. and you know he he you never hear about him. He doesn't do interviews, but people love the mystery of it. Um, same with Frank Ocean. Like Frank Ocean is like a name that's almost like. In, in some people's minds, synonymous with, like, Picasso. Honestly, It's like, yeah. you hear that name and you're like, whoa, Frank Ocean? Um, it's just so exclusive. And I think, like, building exclusivity is just such a cool thing. Oh, yeah, because it's where you can be famous, but, like, be so anti-famous yeah. in terms of, like, your image. And it almost is like a con... Like, you got to think with some of these guys, it's a conscious thing to make them more famous. You know, like, the idea of, like... Oh, I, I got a photo of Frank Ocean. Like, you know, nobody sees Frank Ocean anywhere. I think he's like in London or some shit, too. I yeah. Where, I don't have no idea where he is. No one knows where any, like, no one knows where Childish Gambino's at, you know? It's just cool. Like we said, it's cool, though. It's like there's a, an allure to it. Yeah. So I, like, I love that, that idea of, like, exclusivity. I love that idea of, like, mystique. Um, yeah. Like... I think uh, this is just kind of a random one, but like, you know, people doing new, new rollouts and finding things that are like brand new, like Tierra Whack, mm. um, her last project with like, you know, the, the short film, mm. um, stuff like that is just like so cool when you can, you know, you don't have to like just follow a thing and you can be so confident in doing something new that it works out. Mm. And it's all about your confidence in it. If you are trying to do something new and you're like, I don't know, I don't know, you know, people can sense that, you know. Mm. You know how people say, like, you know, blah, 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 can smell fear. Like, they yeah. can smell, you know, your your lack of confidence. Mm. Um, so, yeah, like, you know, I guess a lot of people who do, do things differently um, mm. is, like, the stuff that I look look up to people who kind of like just slowly change the game not maybe not like in terms of like just one thing like they're not dropping like an Elmatic or something like that or it's even tougher to even think of like albums that have like changed the whole game now it's almost like everything about you like your music has to stand out but almost like the way that you would like brand yourself, yourself and carry yeah. yourself yeah it's because it's just like like you're you're walking you know a lot of these people that especially that I look up to are like walking art Mm. You know, your life is art. Mm. Um, and, you know, I don't I don't think personally I want to live that way because, you know, I'm like, I love watching Netflix and fucking eating ice cream and I don't think that's art. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, like, some of these people, just the way that they have really made their lives their art is just so, so cool to me. Mm-hmm. I want to get into some rapid-fire questions now, I think. Yeah. we got a good kind of profile of your come-up and how you found your voice now and then just kind of how you've solidified yourself in the local scene, who you look at in the national scene. But let's kind of have some fun and just dig yeah. around here, man. Um, favorite basketball jersey of all time? Like what, what team, what year, or like not even maybe a specific year, but, you know, maybe like um, a decade or some shit. I'm going to go Kobe number eight, but with the... Uh the Lakers, like, they, they played in it probably, like, twice, and it was, like, baby blue and white. Oh, I know what you're talking yeah, about, yeah. The cursive letter. That one was really clean. Uh, gorgeous, yeah. I like these new, these Brooklyn Nets jerseys with the, uh, the fucking... The is that what it is? With the, like, the like crazy yeah. colors on the, yeah. the arms? Yeah, some of the stuff they're doing now. Um, biggest failure was the, yeah. the fucking t-shirt jerseys. Those were the dumbest the T-shirt jerseys... Um, I don't understand those. Yeah. But yeah, I'd have to say the Lakers, baby blue and white. 
Is Garrett? Oh, see, Garrett. I thought Garrett was going to throw the. Uh, <laughs> I thought he was going to hit oh, the Oh, actually, mic we might have to. Can, can you plug it in on your left side, please, yeah, yeah. Ben? Thank you. Yeah. Luckily, this core is long enough to <laughs> wrap around here. Charging uh, the charging the phone for the podcast people. Yeah, baby. And now we're back in this bitch. Let's get um back in the rapid fire in a very yeah. slow fashion here. Um, <laughs> best pizza in Portland. Oh man. Pizza. Pizza, no. Uh, I like Otto's. I really like Otto's. Mm. I like Thin Crust. Mm. Um, what about Slab? You read Slab? Oh, no, I'm sorry. I can't even fucking say that. I have to go Makuchi's. Okay. Have you had Makuchi's? Yeah, I've had Makuchi's. That, like, fucking foot by a foot? Yeah. Like a foot thick? Oh, my God. I could eat a Makuchi's pizza until I die. Mm. Makuchi's well, all day. Allegedly, the people at slab started from Makuchi's and left too so if you've never tried slab you got to try slab yeah. too they're both quite good yeah if you could do a collab album with any artist but only as you as a producer who would you pick so you're just making beats for somebody um i produce for childish gambino preferred unwinding activity uh smoking weed and watching netflix favorite netflix show right now um i think you should leave Okay, I'll get out. <laughs> Have you seen like, that though? No, it's amazing. Like, I think my it's like sister, a sketch comedy my sister show. told like me about that. Era. Yeah, it's supposed to be really like kind of uh, wacky and quirky. Yes, yes, love that shit. Great. Weed, booze, or neither? Weed. I I don't drink a lot. If I drink, I drink like white wine. Do you uh, ever drink beer? Maybe a Miller Lite. <laughs> I just <laughs> drank a Miller Lite. <laughs> so shout out Benny P for some. Oh, we got a couple gentlemen drinks on a Friday <laughs> evening. <laughs> out of all the homies, okay. Out of all the homies, this is gonna hurt some people. Yeah. Of all the homies, like <laughs> masochism, in like our little so myself, Benny P, Garrett, the photographer, management, Ben's been dead, uh, Alex, Belanger, another manager. Is it Belanger? No. <laughs> what? <laughs> Alex Belanger, all right, Alex on Insta underscore. What is it? All right underscore. Alex. All right underscore Alex on Instagram. He's one of BL's managers as well. Um, he plays basketball. Bial plays basketball. Oh, so. we're talking. Basketball. And then we have um, just playing Jones, aka Jetpack Jones. He hurt. <laughs> he hurt himself once. He hurt himself the first time he played basketball. And I think that's everyone, right? Yeah. And oh, then um, DJ Extraordinaire Tyler. Yeah, Tyler comes. Tyler has also played. Uh, so out of all of us, who's the best on-ball defender? On-ball defender. Oh wow, B is really good. Um, you are really good. Uh, the only problem with you is you face guard everybody, so you're very susceptible to like over the top passes. Mm, truth. Um, I get hit in the face sometimes. <laughs> I B. I think it's B. I don't. I don't. I'm like I focus all my energy on offense, mm. um, and I go for those lazy like, you know, like come across the lane and block somebody who you shouldn't even be anywhere near. Mm. But yeah, I think B is the best best mm. on ball defender. Dream vacation spot. Um, I've always wanted to go to Hawaii. I think that'd be really nice. If you only could watch one cartoon the rest of your life, what show would it be? Uh, Family Guy. Are we talking like kid cartoon? Or Any animal? cartoon. Family Guy. I love Family Guy. Boom. Well, that concludes the rapid fire. Wow. And uh, let's kind of just get towards like the 2019 in the future. Yeah. What can we see down the road for the rest of the year for Ben's Been Dead? We obviously have the Spose tour, but what else are you cooking up? Spose Tour, shout out Spose for allowing me to go with him. Um, I am working on the video for Exoskeleton right now. I'm going to put that out very Who's soon. Who's directing that? Uh, Ant Wheeler. Cool. He does all my video stuff. Um, yeah, so we're going to put that out. And then I actually just got back from New York where I finished up the follow-up single. Um, it's called Bounty. I'll unveil that. Um, so yeah, gonna put that out, and then we got we got a couple more singles. Um, probably won't do, probably won't get a project out by the end of the year, but I have one. I just I I need to time it correctly. Solely plotting it. Yeah. Cool. Um, but yeah, yeah, a lot of new music, a lot of shows. Um, hopefully. Locked in 2019. Locked in 2019 is going to be incredible. Um, yeah, hopefully just seeing my face a lot everywhere mm. to the point. And hearing my voice on the radio so much that it's annoying. Mm. Hell yeah. Shout out Hot 104.7. Here we go. What about Emerald? Anything cooking up this year with Emerald? Ooh, we actually have this single with Dre Armani. Shout mm. out Dre Armani. I love you. Um, 
that is so fire. And I actually, after this, I'm gonna go go add some stuff to that and work on that. Um, but yeah, that's gonna come out very soon. I can't give like an exact date because I don't know. Mm. But very soon for that. Um, yeah. Heck yeah. What are your biggest goals for this year? Um, I want to take a meeting with Visionary Music Group. Ooh. Um, that's like my my end goal for 2019. That's Logic's team, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely craft artists. John, John Bellion, Jeremy Zucker, Chelsea Cutler, Big Limbo. Uh, yeah, I love that whole squad. I love what they're doing, and that's that's the goal. Hell yeah. Um, yeah. Like my segue into the last question, then, where will Ben's Been Dead be one year from now? <laughs> hopefully, I'll probably I'll be in Portland. Um, probably, hopefully, bigger than I am now. Um, but I'll be I'll be here. I'll be in the state of Maine, that's for sure. There we go. Do you, do you ever see yourself leaving the state, or is it going to be, or at least, like, you know, not maybe permanently leaving, but, you know, uh, yeah. is it going to be, like, a home base for you? It'll always be a home base. I know that. I know that I'll always come back here, mm. for sure. Hell yeah. Well, unless you got anything else you really want to bring to the table, I think that's pretty much all I need, brother. Uh, yeah, that's, that's cool. good for me, man. I apologize again for the, uh, <laughs> the, the comedic outburst in the middle when Derek <laughs> and Gary and I laughed at each other. <laughs> um, it's been amazing, and uh, we'll see you next time. Appreciate y'all. Shout out Ryan B. Support hip-hop, spread love, and uh, keep it in the 207. We'll see you next time. Thank you. And again, thank you, friends, for coming and listening and enjoying the Ben's Been Dead and Ryan B. interview at Benny's Crib. We have a lot more in store for you in the coming weeks and months. It's always support hip-hop. It's always spread love. And it's always main hip-hop here at Ryan B. And make sure to keep your eyes on Ben's Been Dead as well. He's got a new song coming out on the horizon. Block the Wind Fest in the summer. And overall, you're just not going to want to miss one of Maine's most promising voices. And also, catch him on tour with Spose this summer. I'll see y'all next time. Peace!